0: Good morning, everyone. How, how are we? Enjoy the snow? Yeah. Did anyone make a snowman? Yeah. Oh, a few. Snowball fights? Anyone had snowball fights? Yeah. A few more of those. What about um, sledging? Yeah. A few of those. Very good. Anyone pleased that it's gone? Yeah. Oh, the biggest cheer was for that, I think. That, uh Oh, it's great. It's great to be with you um, this morning. Um, my name's Paul. I'm one of the elders here at King's Church Hastings and it's my privilege to lead the team. Um, this, this, this week has been mad, hasn't it? I mean, with the way the snow fell and then, as if by magic, it disappeared yesterday. It's like, did any of you ever used to watch Mr. Ben? As if by magic the shopkeeper appeared? It's funny, I was just thinking about that the other day. No relevance to anything I'm... Uh, it sort of ages me. If you don't know that, you're either... Well, probably you're too young, actually. But uh, I model myself on him, actually, I must say. Um, <laughs> just before I get stuck into, into preaching the Word of God to you, um, just to share a little bit of news, um, something that is changing um, after next week. As many of you will know, um, we've had a weekly update for probably about 20 years, I would have thought. And next week is the last week we're going to have an update. We've decided that we're going to have a break from it for a term. So from next January round till Easter we're going to have no update. We just want to see how we function without the update. Will the church still be here by the end of January if we don't have an update? And so we feel that obviously the last three years in particular, it's been, it's been very, very good quality, there's been some good articles and obviously the information has been displayed in a good way. But we're just looking at the moment to see if, if it is required. A lot of work goes into it, um, photography, article writing, putting it together. And so we're, we're just seeing uh, how it will affect the church if we don't have it and so we're going to need to see if we can function in different ways. We've obviously got the website that's been up and running now for about a year and is a very effective tool. Did you know that all the dates for 2011 are available on the website? Some of you knew that, but not everyone. So if you want to find out where we've got a meeting on Christmas Day of 2011, you can find that out already. We may change it, of course, but you can find out. Um, Diaries um, or, or the printed calendars there will be available probably next week. So again, that will um, display what's going to happen over the next term. But like I say, um, we're just going to have a break from it. We'll see how it goes. And then probably sort of mid-February, we're going to have a look and see if, uh, if we do need something on a weekly basis or whether we're functioning very well without it. If you've been involved in the update in the last three weeks, so whether that's writing articles, taking photographs, photocopying it, folding it, if you've been involved, can you stand up, please? We'd like to give you a, just say thank you to you, really, for all your hard work. Three years. Oh, sorry. Thank you very much. Great. That's very, very good. Last week I spoke about, um, or started speaking about, what it is to be a healthy church. I I want this church to be healthy. I'm sure you want the church. Be healthy as well. Do you? Good. I'm gonna need I need a bit of response this morning. I've lost my place, I've only just started. That's not a good sign, is it? I've only got to look at the top of my notes and I'd find it, but still. I want us to be healthy. Healthy things grow bigger, healthy things are strong and robust. Healthy things overcome obstacles and difficulties. Healthy things are fruitful and do good. I want us to be healthy. And God wants us to be healthy as a church as well. I believe God wants us to be a healthy church that reflects and demonstrates his glory and his goodness. And last week we started looking at the whole area of unity and what it is to be a unified church, a church that has humility. Put your hand up if you're humble. (laughs) A church that is gentle. A church that's patient. Any of you waiting for me to finish? A church that knows what it is to bear with one another in love. And for a healthy church, those, those four qualities or ingredients are, are good. You want to find those if a church is going to be healthy. I've noticed over this week on the back of preaching that message, um, just stirred and challenged at different times as I've been uh, driving in the car or struggling through the snow or putting up with someone that's been annoying me. Um, just, Just the whole challenge of humility and patience and bearing with one another. And we must remember, when it comes to preaching, the idea isn't just to inform, the idea isn't just to give you a bit of information you didn't know before, but the idea is for us to put out there, this is what the Bible says, this is what God wants for us, we need to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus Christ. It should have effect upon us. And so we're looking that when we preach the word of God, it can come sometimes with a sharpness that cuts our hearts. And you think, oh, I'm not like that. Let's pray. Lord, I ask you, would that be the case this morning? I pray, Lord God, as your word is preached... I pray for an anointing of your Holy Spirit to be upon us. I pray, Lord God, you take the stuff that I've prepared and I pray, Lord, that it would be applied to people as required. Lord, you know, you're the great shepherd. You're the pastor. Lord, you, you, you know all things. You know what's going on. You, need, you know, Lord, when we need a word of encouragement or comfort. Lord, you know when we need a word of conviction or rebuke. Lord, I ask you, would you come and own the preach this morning? Lord, we we really do not just want to go through the motions. I do not want to waste people's time this morning. I pray, Lord, that your word would be effective doing its work. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So we looked at humility, gentleness, patience... Bearing with one another last week, all under the heading of unity. This morning we're going to be looking at diversity. So another ingredient into a healthy church is that there is diversity there. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to um, Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to start at verse 7, so particularly for your information, Jan at the back. We're going to start at verse 7 and read through probably to verse 16. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So this morning we're going to be looking at the whole subject of diversity, And we're going to see diversity reflected in two ways in this passage. The first way, and I'm not going to spend very much time on it at all, is the whole area that, do you know that you are very diverse? (laughs) You're all very diverse. You're different ages, you're different backgrounds. You've been educated in different ways. You do different things for a living. Some of you are retired. Some of you haven't started work yet. There's great diversity. The Bible also says there's diversity in the gifting he has given to you. Not not, not one, no, not two people here are the same. And God says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that he has arranged the parts of the body just as he wanted them to be so that the body of Christ, the church, might reflect his glory and his great work. And so each one of you is very important in the gifts and talents he's given you, and as you use them to build the church stronger, God is glorified and the church is healthier. And so we see that the church is made is healthy because people use the diversity of their gifts and talents to make the church stronger. Now that's something that over the last 35 years this church um, has existed, we've always put into practice. To either a greater or lesser extent, we do not believe that just one or two people have it all. Not not at all. And however confident you are, however mature you are as a Christian, whatever your life history, you have got something that is invaluable, is invaluable, very expensive. Yeah. Yes. I won't ask Tracy, she said the opposite. (laughs) It's invaluable to us as a church. If you're not functioning in that way, we are weaker because of it. But we also see diversity in this passage in a different way. We see diversity in the grace gifts that God gives to strengthen or build the church up. We see diversity in the ministries that build a healthy church. Verse 11, it says this, It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. And what I want to do this morning is look at those four ministries. I also want to spend a time looking at eldership, although it's not directly mentioned in the passage, because I believe where we are as a church at the moment, it's important that we understand these things. Because obviously we've got big changes coming up, with Matt and Helen moving to Putney in the new year I'll be be here as the only elder and it's important we understand eldership what it's about how it functions also in relation to some of these other ministries so as a church we can be praying effectively into the future so you you ready for this? We'll give it a go I've certainly never spoken on this before um, and so I'm looking forward to the opportunity to do it before I do start though I want to ask you a question who is it That gave some to be apostles and prophets? Jesus. Jesus. And that's a very important thing to start with. Jesus is building his church. It is he who gives gifts of men to make the church stronger. And this should give us confidence as a church because this isn't just all about our plans. It's just not about our town or our church because it's God's church. It's His plans and it's His purposes. And do you know what? It's His town. It's His town. And so, as we're praying and we're looking at these things, we've got to remember that you, 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 we don't get apostles because they're self appointed. You know, you wake up one morning and think, I'm going to be an apostle. God appoints apostles, God appoints prophets. And we'll see later, actually, it's God that raises up elders as well. Amen. And so we're part of God's purposes. And if you look back to um, verse 11, no, verse 10, it says this. It says, The one who ascended higher than all the heavens. Isn't that a brilliant phrase? Jesus Christ, the one who ascended higher than all the heavens. Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified resurrected, ascended and higher than all the heavens. It's it's his plans and it's his purposes that we're getting involved with. It gives us confidence. So let's look at these uh, four ministries. The first thing I want to say is this, and I've already mentioned it, they are God appointments but they need to be recognised and received by the local church. So as I say, you could have someone who says, I'm an apostle, or I'm a prophet, but if they're not recognised and received by a local church, then they're not. It's sort of a two-way thing. It's never imposed, it needs to be received. And these, these appointments or these um, offices, they, they appear and they come um, to men who have a significant level of gifting that has been proven over time. And so in this church we have many people who prophesy and that is absolutely brilliant and I want to encourage you to eagerly desire the gift of prophesying and to prophesy and to grow in that gift but I don't think we have any prophets. When Julian came, he had a significant le- level of gifting and anointing with a proven track record and I don't know if you noticed this but when he do you remember when he prophesied over an older gentleman he was sat about there, not a member of the church some of you know who I'm talking about And the things he said about him before he said anything about the future were dead online. Do you know that Julian didn't know who Don was? Never met him before. He'd heard his reputation had gone before him but he didn't know who Don was. And so as he prophesied, if you knew anything about Don, you'd think, yep, 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 yep. There was something, there was an anointing about him. And so it's proven over time and it's a significant level of gifting. Now, we're part of a family of churches called New Frontiers. At this time, we work with an apostolic team headed up by Terry Virgo. He's coming on the 23rd of January, so I'd encourage you, put that date in your diary. Do not miss it. And he serves a, a family of churches of around 500 plus right around the globe. In the UK, we're partnering with about 200 other churches that are part of the same family. What links us together is that we've got a shared mission, that we relate to Terry Virgo and his team that he has, that we're in relationship. We know these men and they know us. And that's important, it's not not just a structure, it's not just a name. Oh, that's the person who oversees Hastings somewhere over there. We know the men who oversee us and they know us as a church. That's very important if it's to be biblical. So we're in relationship and we invite ministry and we receive it. It's a faith receiving. So when some of these men come to us, I want to encourage you church, be full of faith. They're gifts to us. It's not that they're perfect, it's not that they don't make any mistakes, but they're men and gifts who are to be received with faith. And we also have a common biblical understanding or framework that we work to. We believe in justification by faith. We are saved by the grace of God. We believe in baptism of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the unmerited grace and favour of God. We believe that Jesus is going to come again. We believe Jesus is ascended, he's in heaven now, ruling and reigning. We're his church, as it were, his hands and his feet. We believe in the authority of scripture and that, that dictates how we live and behave. And so sometimes we will encourage you by the Word of God, other times we will rebuke you by the Word of God because that's what Scripture says. So these are some of the things that link us together as a family of churches. Now I want to encourage you, there's a bit of practical application here. Have have any of you got a one pound coin in your pocket? Put your hand up if you've got any money on you. Some of you have, good. At the resources table at the end, we are selling little booklets just for a pound they are vision and values booklets which describe the core vision and values of New Frontiers the family of churches we're part of let me encourage you to go and buy, it's only a pound and digest it and read it and grow in your understanding much of it will be sort of old hat to many of you but I've found as I've read it it's been a brilliant refresher and so I'd encourage you to go and get that and read it. I think it's available at the resources table and also at the information table at the end of the meeting. So, what are apostles? Apostles, to, be, uh, to, to go right back to the basic of what an apostle is, it is a sent one. In the Bible there seem to be different types of apostles. Jesus was an apostle. The twelve disciples were apostles. Paul, who encountered Jesus after his resurrection, was an apostle. He wrote much of the New Testament. These were mighty men. Jesus, obviously, in a league of his own. They were standalone men. When we use the phrase apostle now, we're not trying to elevate or raise any men to that level of stature or authority as those that I've mentioned in the Bible. But there do seem to have been some more run-of-the-mill apostles, if you can say such a thing. People like Barnabas, Silas and Timothy, who if they weren't apostles were certainly sent on apostles' behalf. And this is some of the things that they did. And when we use the phrase apostle, this is what we would expect apostles to be doing. The first thing that they do is they break new ground for the gospel. Romans 15 verse 20 says this, And Paul is talking this to uh, the church in Rome. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ is not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. So with the apostolic, you're expecting them to be involved in church planting and seeing churches um, established, church plants established. We also find that apostles lay solid foundations. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 10 says this, By the grace of... God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. We expect the apostolic to lay good, solid foundations. Do you know that this church benefits from good foundations? The grace of God, baptism in the Holy Spirit, some of those truths, the truths that would have been brought in by Terry Virgo 10, 15, 20 years ago that we have received... Put your hand up if you know you know something of the grace of God because it's maybe been taught from this platform or stonely a long time ago. You enjoy living under the grace and the favour of God because it's been taught. That would be an apostolic foundation that has been laid in this church. Now, we can take it for granted, but if you're in a church that hasn't got that in its foundations, you'll realise, you'll notice it. The grace of God, baptism in the Holy Spirit. Some of these truths are truths that we take as for granted now but they're there because they've been laid by expert builders in the past. Ephesians 2 verse 20 talks about the church at Ephesus and local churches being built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Now some scholars would say when he says that he's talking about the Old Testament prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah And the New Testament epistles and the New Testament as a whole which Paul wrote and Peter wrote. Now I I think there's a degree of truth in that but I think when Paul wrote that to the church at Ephesus he had in mind men who laid foundations as apostles and prophets who came in and directed the church and we should expect as a church those ministries to be operating with us as well. Amen? We, we should expect to. Now, I say, we're not putting them up there like the Apostle Paul or Isaiah. They're not like that. They're, they're fallible men. They make mistakes. They, they make many mistakes, I'm sure. But we should expect those ministries to build the church strong and to build the church healthy. Apostles also appoint elders. Apostles appoint elders. It's part of their foundation-laying ministry. Here's a quote by Terry Virgo. A wise apostle will not select elders of his own choice in an arbitrary way. Now listen to this church, I think this is important for us. He will observe the way in which men have earned respect and love of the people they are serving. So you're looking for men who have already earned love and respect from the church and are displaying the fact that God himself has appointed them. So when we're looking for elders in the future, we are looking for men whom God has already appointed. You can just see it. They're not elders yet, we've not laid hands on them and appointed them as elders, but you can see something in them that says elder. And as we maybe announced in the future, oh, we are thinking of this man for eldership, there should be a rise of faith within the church saying, yes, that's right. We see, we recognise that being the case. We are looking for the fact that God himself has appointed them. The laying on of hands then becomes an outward acknowledgement of what God has done by his spirit. It is also a time of further impartation of spiritual grace for eldership. So future elders isn't just a Hastings matter, it's an apostolic matter. So we'll be looking to invite the apostolic in to lay hands on future elders. Um, The apostolic should also be involved in signs, wonders and miracles. It makes me pleased that I'm not an apostle but it appears whenever apostles moved in the New Testament there were signs, wonders and miracles that accompanied what they did. That appears to be a biblical norm. And as I've mentioned, um, the apostolic is not imposed authority from outside, it is received and it is relational. What about prophets? When someone prophesies, they're acting as a divine spokesman and now word from God into a particular situation. Let me read that again. When someone prophesies, they're acting as a divine spokesman and now word from God. So it's very important that we weigh prophecy and we treat it seriously. We mustn't just think of it as a divine moment that someone had. That's a nice thought that they had. If we treat prophecy seriously, it should be weighed. And I think that's something, as an eldership, we've been thinking and uh, praying about and discussing probably over the last 12 months. How do you deal with prophecy when it comes? It needs to be weighed. So, not everything you hear from this microphone needs to be t- taken, you know, it needs to be weighed. And part of the role of, for us as elders would be to weigh the prophecy. And often, if we feel something is good, we will add extra weight to it. If we feel something is really, really bad, we will tell you. And if we say nothing about it, we probably think it was, just, it was a good word for the encouragement of the church. But we, we're looking to weigh it, and we're also looking to see are there other prophecies that line up with it as well? Is there a, a weight of something coming? What's the difference between someone who prophesies and a prophet? I think predominantly it's, between, it's, a, it's about content and anointing. Prophets can reawaken vision, provide direction, assist in momentum. And so I believe when Julian came to us, he, he assisted momentum for us as a church. Would any of you see that? You would perceive that as a church. He, I believe he assisted momentum. He added some extra... Um, oomph to to what we were about. What about evangelists? Evangelists will be passionate to win people to Christ but they'll also have an ability to help the whole church have such a passion. So sometimes we've had men of anointing, haven't we? We've come here, they've preached the gospel, they've gone for a response and we've had people respond. That would be an evangelist in operation. Last time Adrian came to us, he didn't preach the gospel, did he? What did he talk about? He spoke about how people become Christians and stirred a fresh hunger within us as a church to see the same thing happen. And so they can function in different ways. Now, I'm not looking to earmark people particularly, but what I want to say is that when we have different gifts and different people coming to us, it isn't just random is we're looking to get a mix of people into the church here to get a rounded input. So we've had Julian, we've had Adrian, we've got Terry coming to us, Matt Partridge in the past. Any idea, how would you sort of, if you were to pigeonhole someone, how would you pigeonhole John Groves? Yeah, I sort of say a pastor, teacher. They are shepherds who lead the flock to good pasture. What does that mean? They're men who open up scripture to us in a helpful and informative way. They teach us what the Bible says and they help us get there um, on a day-to-day basis. That is what pastor-teachers would do. I think there is some uh, question, are they pastors and teachers separate? Um, I think probably it's a linked gift I think pastors help to... Uh, the pastoral bit of someone helps to earth a teacher. It means they've just not got their heads in the books, but it's helpful, you know, they can earth it down with pastoral situations. And I think you, you can't really have a pastor who can't teach because the whole idea of a pastor is point people to Christ. It's going up scripture. And so they may not be a pastor who, who would stand up in front of thousands or maybe hundreds, but they need to be able to teach the word of God. These gifts are essential for a healthy church. Well-balanced, spirit-filled, missional church. We need to invite these gifts, we need to receive them with faith and that's one of the advantages of being part of a, a family of churches like New Frontiers is we can invite men with very different gifts in who can strengthen the church and we know them. We may not know them really, really well but we know them. And we know people who know them and can recommend them. Can you see how it works? When we get Terry, we get one thing. When we get Adrian, we get something else. When we get John, we get something different. And it's all needed for us to be a healthy church. So how, how do these ministries interact with local church eldership? And I just want to spend a little bit of time in this because, this, again, with our changes, I think this is an important thing for us to understand, what should we be expecting um, from elders, how does it work the Bible indicates that local churches are led by elders sometimes overseers, sometimes in the Bible or uh, NIV version it could even be mentioned as bishops elders govern the affairs of the local church myself and Matt are held responsible before God on how this church functions We invite input from outside, we receive it with faith, but ultimately it's not Terry Virgo or John Groves. It's the local eldership that carries the weight and the responsibility before God for the health and the success of a local church. In the Bible there's always a plurality of elders, in other words there's always more than one but we also see that God raises elders up. So occasionally, we may need to wait for other elders to be raised up. We cannot rush ahead of God. Another quote from Terry Virgo says, we should not rush into laying hands on anyone suddenly, simply to make up numbers and prove we are biblical, but we should expect the biblical norm of plurality to emerge. And I think that's a very helpful quote. We need to be prayerfully expectant that the biblical, what was the phrase? The biblical norm of a plurality of eldership to emerge. Amen? And we need to pray for that. This is something we all do. We need to pray for the biblical norm of a plurality of eldership to emerge emerge. In the New Testament, the spirit of leadership is that of a servant or servant leadership. In Mark 10, 45, it says about Jesus, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That is an excellent example for eldership and for elders. We are, called, uh, we are men who are called to serve elders should give their lives for the church. We should spend ourselves. So if any of you has set his heart on eldership, that is a really, really good thing. The Bible says, I want to encourage you to set your heart to be an overseer, but you need to expect to spend yourself as you are an elder. It will cost you emotionally and physically in time and in effort But it's also one of the best things you can ever be involved in if you're called to it. And it's an amazing privilege. And so, if you're looking at someone for eldership, you need to look for men who are spending themselves on the church, giving themselves away on the church. You should expect to see a cost. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, if you've got your Bibles, quickly turn to it. 1 Timothy chapter 3, it talks about the qualifications for eldership. And it says, uh, 1 Timothy 3 verse 1, we'll just fly through it. Here's a trustworthy saying. If anyone sets his heart on being an overseer or an elder, he desires a noble task. Now, an elder needs to be above reproach. The husband of one wife temperate self-controlled respectable hospitable able to teach not given to drunkenness not violent but gentle not quarrelsome not a lover of money he must manage his own family well so his children obey him with proper respect if anyone does not know how to manage his own family how can he take care of God's church he must not be a recent convert or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil he must have a good reputation with outsiders so he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. You'll notice that for eldership, all the qualifications in that list are character-based. The only one that isn't character-based is he must be able to teach. He doesn't necessarily have to be able to teach in front of 300 people, but he does need to be able to lead people to Christ from the Bible. Open up scripture to them. Help them understand what it says. How do elders function? If you've got your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 20 and I want to pull out four quick points here. What should you expect from elders? What would be their role be? Acts chapter 20, verse 28. This is when Paul uh, has his last meeting with the elders at Ephesus. And in this one verse, he, I think is a very helpful sort of job description for an eldership team. It says this in verse 28 of Acts chapter 20. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers or elders. Be shepherds of the church of God which he bought with his own blood. Just four very quick points here. Firstly, elders need to watch over themselves and their fellow elders. So that's one of the reasons you need a plurality of elders is because they keep watch over each other. One of the things you won't know but Matt keeps a watch over me. His honesty has been a real help to me. So maybe not everyone here would really sort of say um, how they felt something had gone and maybe that's appropriate as well, but I know Matt will. So if I've done well, Matt will encourage me and if I've done badly, he will encourage me, but tell me I've done badly. If I've been inappropriate or spoken in a harsh way to someone, he will say, Paul, I don't think you should have spoken that way. There's a protection there um, and that's why you have a plurality of elders. We don't only keep watch over ourselves and we're accountable to each other and that helps humility and gentleness to operate but we're also called to keep watch over the church. We're to keep a sharp lookout. We're to keep a lookout for wolves that want to come in and cause disruption to the church, they don't really want to join the church and be part of it, Um, they just want to cause trouble. And so in which case, if they don't respond to to myself and Matt, we'll ask them not to come anymore. Now we don't do that very often, thankfully, but occasionally we do that, because one of our roles is to protect the church. But we also um, uh, are asked to teach, encourage and care for the church. We're also to be overseers to the church. We bring direction to the church and discern what God wants for us. Now, again, we're very open. In a sense, it's very much a body together functioning. We're always looking for feedback and response. We're always looking to hear God through the church as a whole and looking to bounce ideas. There's a number of people I, I regularly bounce ideas off. They're, they're well known for their wisdom and their faith in God. So we, we would look for that, but, but one of the roles God would give is for us to lead the church forward. So the fact that we've built a wall and we've turned the meeting through 90 degrees and we're going into community groups is because we feel God's speaking to us about that. We've made a call as elders that this would, is the right way forward. Maybe difficulties with it but we feel God's leading us this way so we make calls and in the future, next year, as we go into next year, we're going to make more calls. We're going to um, look to, to lead the church. We want to lead the church well. It's not that we ever want to drive the church forward but we want to hear from God and in faith look to take steps of faith forward as we have done in the past. And we're also called by God, and you pick this out of verse 28, to be shepherds. That we, we care passionately for you and we want the best for you. And just as we said with those other ministries that they are received, eldership needs to be received. Well, it doesn't have to be received, but in, in that sense it's, it's something for you to receive, but you don't have to. And one of the things we often we, we always ask people who are looking to join the church is we say, Do you trust the leadership of the church? Do you feel comfortable with us? Because if you don't, however much you like might like Allied and the band leading worship, this is the wrong church for you. You need to be in a place where you feel you trust the leadership and you're happy to go with them. Otherwise it, it it's just going to be uncomfortable. It will grate. We, we never want to force leadership op- upon you in any way and hopefully you know that, you know us well enough. It's something that we, we offer and, and we, just, we look for it to be received and we look before God to lead as effectively um, as we can. Just as we close, and we're going to close now, it's important to remember that as we look for elders, we're looking for a charismatic gift of leadership. We're looking for something you can see. It's nearly something you can taste. We're looking for an anointing that you can that we can perceive. I believe God's got great plans for us as a church. Jesus is building his church here in Hastings. It's not not just across the world. Do you know Jesus is building his church here? Amen? Amen? He's got great plans for us. And as we look to follow him we're going to look for elders to emerge and I know they will. We're going to look for men to continue to be raised up. We're going to look for men and women to be raised up in leadership roles. God's got good things for us. I do believe what Guy Miller prophesied probably a couple of years ago now I believe we've had some great, great days in the past. But I believe we've got some really, really good days coming in the future. And we really appreciate and value your support and your love and your commitment over the last 18 months particularly. And in a sense, in in anticipation of the future, I say I look forward to your love, your prayers and your support as we go into the future. Because you are a great church. You're a great church. It's a privilege to lead you. And I would ask you if I've got one sort of point of application. I've got two points. One is get that little booklet about New Frontiers and read it. That's easy to do. The second thing I'd ask you to do is please pray for leaders to be raised up at every level in the church, but particularly eldership. Would you join me in praying for that? I'm convinced some of you are going to join me in praying for that. Are you going to join me? Yeah? Yeah? Because this is such an important thing for the future as we move on together. Let's stand and we're going to pray as we finish. Lord, I thank you for the mighty men that have inputted our church over the last 35 years. We thank you. We do have a rich heritage of men who have gone out from us and done amazing things um, right around the nation, and in the nations I thank you as well Lord for the mighty things we've seen here in Hastings Lord the growth the expansion the blessing the salvations the healings Lord the miracles Lord we say thank you for all of it and we come to our loving Father and we say Lord God would you please give us more Lord we are hungry and expectant for great blessings from you we pray Lord God would you raise up mighty men and women of faith with gifts of leadership. I pray would you raise up mighty men of faith for eldership we pray Lord God. Men with great faith and great gifting Lord who can see this church continue to move forward in the things that you've got for us. I pray Lord would we see many people saved and discipled and added into this church. We pray Lord would we see this auditorium filled And then filled again we pray in Jesus' name with disciples, with those who are passionate to follow you. Lord, I ask you, would you give us great wisdom for the future? I pray as you have done in the past, would you send um, men of mighty gifting to us, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers to see this church strengthened, to see this church grow in health. We ask for that in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray, Lord, the work you were doing in people's lives during the worship, (coughs) healing broken bodies, healing emotions, would you continue to do it in Jesus' name, I pray. I ask you, Lord, that Gemma's story would be repeated a number of times on the back of this morning. Lord, we agree with that. We agree that as a church, in Jesus' name, amen. Excellent. Have a great week. Enjoy handing out the Saviour King flyers. We have got tables full of flyers for you to take away at the end of the meeting in the foyer. Please grab them, take them away. Thanks again and have an excellent week.